Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I am your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. If you're listening to this in real time, happy new year. Welcome to 2024. I hope you had an amazing holiday season and 2023 overall, both in your life and business. I know many of us have been on quite the journey over the last 12 months, lots of high highs, lots of low lows. Some of you had your best year ever, others struggled. It's been a whirlwind overall. But in the words of Rishi Rawit, an amazing guest we had on the show a while back, episode 185, every day is a new day to work on your business. And that's how I want you to go into this new year. While we can and should absolutely learn from 2023, that's why I've created this series, I also think it's important that we take advantage of the clean slate the new year gives us. It lets us move forward with a fresh perspective, renewed energy, and a positive outlook for what we and our businesses are capable of. It also allows us to slow down and get clear on the business and life we want to build. If you do nothing else, I recommend you do that. All right, so let's dive into today's conversation. We're picking up where we left off last year. I always love saying that for the first time. I'm such a tool, but seriously, we're picking up our yearly review series. We've already talked about metrics that matter in episode 258. If you haven't listened to that, please do, because I've introduced some numbers that might be new to you. Then we talked about performing an email marketing audit in episode 259. You know how I feel about email, right? If you haven't been giving email the attention it deserves, make that a goal of 2024. And today I want to dive into collecting and utilizing customer feedback. This is something that I think we all know we should do, and we often have plans to do it, but I'm not sure how good we are at actually executing it. But it's such a powerful tool. It can give us insights into things we're doing well, what we're not doing so well, ways we can improve our product, our messaging, and expand or deepen our product line. It can help us prioritize what we should be working on and even gives us insight into where we should be investing our resources. It's especially important because a lot of the time we think we know what our customers want from us, but we end up being completely wrong. A study by PwC found that nearly 80% of American consumers consider speed, convenience, knowledgeable help, and friendly service the most important elements of a positive customer experience. This outweighed things like charity, fun, design, and a whole lot of other things by a huge margin. There's a lot more great information in that study. It's a bit of a tangent compared to what we're discussing today, but I'll stick a link in the show notes for you to check it out. 
My point in sharing it, though, is to remind you that it is so easy to get caught up in all the shiny objects around us when we really just need to tap into our customers and ask them what they want. At the end of the day, unhappy customers come from unmet expectations. So it's our job to get clear on what those expectations are through thoughtful customer feedback. There are a lot of different types of customer feedback. And if you were to Google how to collect customer feedback, you'd come across some fancy acronyms like NPS and CSAT, Net Promoter Score and Customer Satisfaction Score, respectively. These are aggregate scores that are calculated after having a high volume of inquiries, often based on one-question surveys that are asked after a customer interacts with your brand. You've probably answered these before. You know, after a chat when it asks, how did we do? Or how satisfied were you? How likely are you to recommend us to a friend? If you do have the volume to make those kinds of surveys relevant, awesome, keep using them but they don't replace the value of the old school methods we're going to talk about today, which are surveys, product reviews, and customer inquiries. Before we get too deep, I do want to give you a few things to think about, remember, and consider when it comes time to analyze the feedback you're looking at. The first and most important one is that if someone expresses that your product is too expensive, 99% of the time you can, as in the words of Ted Lasso, be a goldfish and forget about it. Price is rarely the problem. It's more about perceived value. And if someone thinks your product is too expensive, it just means they're not your customer right now. We already know that competing on price is just a race to the bottom. Now, of course, if your prices are super inflated or your brand experience doesn't match the prices you're asking, that's a different story, but rarely do I find that to be the case. Two, just because someone says they want something doesn't mean they're willing to pay for it. And three, One or two voices, no matter how loud they are, are not enough to justify making big changes in your business. All right, so where are we getting this feedback from? My favorite place to get insights into the customer experience is through customer support requests and common questions. These might be inquiries that come through a live chat widget on your website, emails you get, or even just questions and comments people ask on social media. This feedback is typically the most valuable in terms of understanding where you're falling short in communicating important information to your customers. A great example of this is when we saw a spike in customer service inquiries, return requests, and poor reviews for a specific product at my previous day job. It was new to the market. It was selling like crazy everywhere. Bloggers were going nuts about it. But customers who bought the product on our website, not the ones who purchased it in store, just on the website, were very unsatisfied with this item. After chatting with those customers, we quickly realized the reason they didn't like the product was because they were using it incorrectly. Luckily, we were able to talk them through it and eliminate that return. But we also realized we had to do a better job of showing them how to use the product properly. In response, I set up a post-purchase education flow that was sent to anyone who bought that particular item. Once I implemented that, the return request stopped and we had a flood of positive product reviews. A non-product example, but still a really valuable one, is when I get questions from lounge members that I know have been answered in one of the courses or the content that is shared there. Yes, there are always going to be that handful of people who don't see what's around them. All my years working in retail stores prove that. But when I see multiple students asking the same thing, 
that's a red flag. That's telling me there's something about the way the content is presented that is making it hard for them to find what they're looking for. As the educator, it's on me to figure out how to do that better. My resolution for that is switching to a new platform that will allow me to better organize the content and to revamp some of the content to be more digestible and searchable with shorter lessons. The same can be true in your product-based business. If you're getting the same question from multiple different customers about a particular product, maybe something is missing on the product page or in the images, or you might need to add an FAQ section for that particular product. Pro tip, these types of questions and inquiries also make really great email and social content. And these are things that you can repeat over and over again. If you've never checked out Glass Ladder & Co. on Instagram, you should. Megan has been on the podcast before, episode 186, and you'll see that the majority of her content is answering the most common questions people have about her product. Comparing items to one another, showing the customer what fits in the different sizes, all the ways the products can be configured, etc. The other thing to remember about this type of feedback is that for every person who took the time to reach out and ask the question, there are likely 10 more who didn't bother and decided to just go somewhere else instead. While you may feel like you've explained all the things and in all the places, if the questions are still rolling in, there's likely more you can do. While this type of open-ended feedback is some of the most powerful, it can be the hardest to get because it's not necessarily based on you asking for it. And not that you want to flood your customer service inbox with requests, there are some ways you can encourage this type of feedback. One is adding a chatbot to your e-com store. Using an automated chatbot is a great way to get information from your customers without having to invest additional resources. Sure, you have to spend the time to get it set up, but after that, most of the heavy lifting will be done automatically. Even if you just get started with frequently asked questions, even if they're already answered on your site somewhere else, Getting to see the actual data on which questions are coming in most often can be super eye-opening. Most of these tools will allow you to set a delay and then have the chatbot open up automatically to encourage the customer to engage with it. You'll want to be careful with this so you don't annoy them, but it can be super helpful to bring it to their attention. It's likely they don't know all the A's to their Q's are at their fingertips with the help of this chatbot, you know? If you do add a chatbot, whether you have it pop up automatically or not, please make sure to look at your site in incognito mode on desktop and mobile. A lot of times we have widgets and pop-ups triggering that we don't even realize, often overlapping with each other. It turns into a big mess. I just want you to be aware. If you're still new to business and it doesn't make sense to invest in automation tools just yet, even asking for a simple email reply in a post-purchase thank you email can go a long way into getting some information from your customers. Not only will it feel super personal to the customer, making them feel special, but it's also a great signal to the email service providers, and it'll help your deliverability. Utilizing a product recommendation quiz can also be a great way to gather customer feedback. It won't necessarily tell you much about the customer experience, and it's not exactly open-ended, but it will give you insight into what your customers are looking for from a product perspective. This can be especially powerful in figuring out what might be missing from your assortment. Not that you need to go out and add everything under the sun or add something new when one person has asked for it, but if you see a pattern in the answers, like lots of people are looking for a particular color or style of an item that you don't really have a lot of, 
it might be worth taking some time to think through what that could look like for your business. If you've got a solid social presence and an engaged audience, utilize things like the question box on Instagram stories, polls, or even setting up a chat bot on Instagram to answer FAQs. Next up is product reviews. This is a great way to get insight from your customers. I take a deeper dive into product reviews on episode 16 of the podcast, but I do want to touch on a few important things here. First, there's so much we can learn from them. People will tell you why they bought something, what they loved about it, what they didn't love about it, what they wished was different, what they were surprised by. You'll also get insight into your overall customer experience with things like shipping times, packaging, etc. Customer reviews are gold, not only for your own insight, but as we know, to also convert other customers. Another pro tip, use screenshots of positive reviews in your emails to increase conversion and use the words your customers are using in your marketing. If someone says they love the packaging, use that as a selling point. If they talk about how it makes them happy to see your art on their wall or makes them feel powerful when they wear your clothing, use those words when you are selling your product. While positive reviews are obviously a good thing, negative reviews can be a good thing too. Like open-ended customer feedback, negative reviews can tell you where you're missing the mark on educating your customer, holes in your customer service process, or even defects in your product. Maybe you have a customer who complains that your candle didn't burn for as long as it was supposed to, or that something fell apart with normal use. Sure, they might just be a negative Nancy, but I would approach all negative reviews as if they're valid first and make sure you investigate and see if you can replicate the issue. If you do get a negative review, it's really important that you respond to it, not only to provide a good experience for the person who is leaving the negative review, but also for anyone else who might see it. You'll want to avoid removing negative reviews, even if you can, as that might just make the customer more angry to see you suppressing them. Instead, you'll want to respond and either let them know you've reached out to them directly through email if you have that info or ask them to contact you directly. When potential customers see that you're quick to respond and resolve issues, that's going to go a long way in building trust with them. If you're early in your business journey and you don't have a lot of reviews yet, Looking at reviews of other similar products and businesses can still be really insightful. If you resell other people's products and you can check out reviews on the exact item you sell, cool. If you make your own product, find something similar to see what customers are talking about. What do they love and hate about the product? This can be really powerful for product development too. If you see a pattern in what customers don't like about something, not only can you make yours better, but you can use that as a point of differentiation in your marketing. Last, but certainly not least, is surveys. Surveys are super powerful because they give you a lot more control over the information you can collect. They'll give you the most well-rounded set of information depending on where and how you present it to your customers. I recently sent out an end-of-year survey in the lounge. I wanted to get a general pulse on what members got the most value from, and I've had these ideas floating around in my head that I want to implement or facilitate better in the program. I wanted to see if there was any interest before I went all in on those things. While a lot of the information I received confirmed what I already knew, some of the new things I was thinking about didn't seem to be all that important to them. 
I'm so glad I got that feedback first. It doesn't necessarily mean I won't still implement those things for the people who'd appreciate them, especially if it's relatively simple and doesn't require a ton of resources or ongoing maintenance. But now I have a better handle on what I need to be prioritizing and where I should put my energy. There are multiple different types of surveys, so let's chat through some of them here. First, the general survey. This is essentially what I just talked about with the lounge. I asked a mix of multiple choice and open-ended questions about a few different topics related to the program. It was positioned as an end-of-year survey based on how I wanted to evolve the program in the new year and offered an incentive for everyone who completed it. Like I said, they're going to be the most insightful, but they will also typically get the fewest responses because they're more in-depth, have more questions, and you're asking for them to do more. I'm not a survey expert, and there are all sorts of stats and strategies out there for creating great surveys. I'll stick some links in the show notes for you, but ultimately, this is the one you'll want to use very intentionally, like when it really matters. This is totally making me think of the Friends episode when Phoebe starts playing out front of Monica's fancy restaurant and they get into a fight and then they're polling the people in the restaurant, ultimately ruining their dining experience. So it's obviously not that dramatic, but you get the point. Try not to be annoying with your general surveys. Quarterly or end of year, beginning of year is a good cadence for something super general and more in-depth. If you want to do something more targeted, getting insights on a specific product you're thinking about bringing in or something like that, you can certainly do more of that more often. I would consider that more of a poll, but you get the idea. Next up is the purchase survey. This is typically a one-question open-ended survey you stick on the thank you page after someone places an order, simply asking them what made them choose this item. You'll usually need a higher tier review platform or certain post-purchase cross-sell platforms will allow you to do this. I think Reconvert has this feature. Asking questions at this stage, though, is so powerful because customers are most engaged with your brand the moment they buy from you. They're in a good mood because they just got something they wanted or needed. They got a little dopamine hit. Not only will you get a lot of responses, but it's going to give you insight into the type of language your customers use, which you can then turn around and use in your marketing. If you offer any sort of recurring subscription, the cancellation survey is a must-have. Not only does it give you insight into what you can do better, but it also tells you how to follow up with that customer in the future. One of my first email clients was a subscription product, and we used the cancellation survey to create different follow-up automations based on the answers. If they said they had too much product, we added in a longer delay to follow up with them in the future and hopefully bring them back. If they didn't like the product, we sent them a follow-up survey to get feedback about how it could be improved. If they said they couldn't afford it, well, first we discussed offering a discount to get them to stay, and then we decided that while it's a luxury product for that market, it's a low price product overall, and if they were citing price as the issue, then they weren't our customer and we were happy to let them go. As mentioned earlier, you need to take any negative feedback about price with a grain of salt. If you do have a subscription element to your business, I recommend you listen to episode 212 with Ben Fisher. He's the founder of a subscription platform for Shopify, and we went super deep on creating a really great experience for subscription customers. It's such a great listen. 
Next up is the exit survey. This is typically presented to a customer when they're leaving a website without taking any action. You'll see this a lot on SaaS products or larger chain websites, but you can still utilize this. Ideally, you'll want one multiple choice question that's super simple to answer. Don't ask an open-ended question here. You likely won't get a lot of responses because it's just going to feel like too much work. And I stuck a link to an example in the show notes. You can even use this as an assist instead of a survey. Ask yourself, how can you help the customer find what they're looking for? Maybe it's directing them to your quiz, encouraging them to engage with your customer service, or it might be sending them to a product-specific FAQ page. You have to figure out what's going to work best for you, but you could always default to the one multiple choice question. Next up is the why you didn't buy survey. You'll mostly see this type of survey in businesses like mine, often at the end of an evergreen funnel or after a live launch, but you can absolutely use the concept in your product-based business too. The trick here is to be intentional about when you implement it. Customers are going to be engaging with your brand a lot and not making a purchase. You're not necessarily going to ask them this every single time, but it could work really great for first-time customers who go through your welcome flow and any follow-up bestseller flow or even after you launch a new collection. And it doesn't only have to be in survey format. You could ask this in a poll on Instagram, ask for a reply to an email, or even just ask them to click on their answer in an email. Again, be sure to take any price objections with a grain of salt, but the why you didn't buy survey could uncover a disconnect in your messaging or the product you were offering, or who knows what other insights you'll find. There is one other type of customer feedback I want to talk about before we go, and that's the data. Yep, you know I love me some data. Even though this isn't direct communication from the customer, there is still a lot of insight that can be pulled from the numbers you're looking at. And this isn't just limited to your website and email data. There are major clues in your product sales too. We're already getting pretty long on this episode, so we're not going to dive into that here, but make sure you check the show notes for some other episodes and resources to help you figure out what those numbers mean and the insights you can pull from them. So what are your next steps? First, I want you to dedicate some time to reviewing any of the insights you already have. Dig through those reviews, those social comments, your customer service inquiries, whatever you've got. Then start thinking about where and how you can actively insert more opportunities to get feedback from your people. You do not have to try and implement these all at once. Please don't. Ask yourself what is the most important information you want to know about your customers right now. What are the biggest question marks you have? What is the most urgent thing you need an answer to? For me, it was getting feedback on the lounge so I knew where to focus in the new year. For you, it might be getting more product reviews or solving for a common question that is flooding your customer support email. Once you have that in place, then you can move on to the next thing. Don't forget to check the full show notes, ecommercebyassery.com forward slash 260 to get additional episodes, articles, examples, and resources to support you through this journey. And most importantly, mark out time on your calendar in Q1 to take action on what you've learned. There is so much that we can get from this information if we just take the time to look at it. So please make it a priority, especially as we kick off the new year. Before we go, if you're finding value in this yearly review series or you just love the podcast, would you do me a favor and leave a review wherever you're listening? 
here I am practicing what I preach and asking for the feedback. If you have an e-commerce biz friend who could benefit from the show, please share it with them. I so appreciate your help in spreading the word. And that, my friends, is a wrap on the first episode of 2024. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you're having an amazing start to the new year, and I'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.